HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, and we are recording this show um, a day before Halloween and in 2014. And, of course, in with our celebration of Halloween, it stems from a very um, popular celebration throughout um, Mexico and a lot of the Spanish regions, and that is a Dia de los Muertes, and that's Day of the Dead. Um, also, it, as I say, it's a big holiday in Mexico, and my guest today is here to tell us about the traditional foods of that holiday, but more than that, she is going to, she spent the majority of her adult life researching the history and regionality of all the cuisine of Mexico. And that is, it's a richer heritage than, than many people realize. My guest is Margarita Carillo Arante. Welcome, Margarita. Thank you, Linda. Margarita is a teacher. She's a chef. She's a cookbook author. She is, or she was for many years, the Department of Ag- Mexico's Department of Agriculture's Culinary Ambassador an entrepreneur. What haven't you done, Margarita? Well, I'm a mother. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot that. And a mother and a wife. And she just, she is just, has been um, all around the country here in the U.S. recently uh, talking about her new book, Mexico, the cookbook. It is truly an encyclopedia of Mexican cuisine. And it is as beautiful to look at as it is to read, and it's published by Faden Press. And I, I congratulate you on it. Thank you, thank you. It was a challenge. Yeah, quite a quite a labor. How many? Six hundred and fifty recipes. Uh, like seven hundred and something. Unbelievable, yeah. And you really, it's interesting because in this book you cover everything from celebrations and holidays and. 
ingredients and the history, and it is an all-encompassing book. And, you know, I think that there are many people, particularly here in the U.S., who are unaware of how rich and varied the culinary heritage of Mexico is, or even the historical background and the influences. Um, tell us a little bit about that, about the, the history the, you know, the, the size of the book, although it's huge, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh-huh. Mexico is such a, has such a huge wealth in, 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 his, in its cuisine. And it depends on the region and the season and the, and the fiesta and the saints. A lot of religious holidays oh, tied yes. to the oh, to yes. the uh, our food cuisine as well. is completely mingled with the the culture and the religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you and when we think of, I know if I mention Mexican food to somebody, of course they'll think they'll say, "Oh, tacos and you know, oh yes, guacamole. Well, tacos is, yes, and yeah. guacamole, yes." But there are thousands more. Well, like any country, there you you've got the regionality is varied with the sea, the mountains, the, the plains. Yes. You, so, in, in Mexico, you cannot say Mexican cuisine. You should say Mexican cuisines uh-huh. because there's completely different style and, and characteristics of the food of each region. Well, give us a little education on some of the historical background and influences of the cuisine. Well, uh, when the Spaniards arrived... We already had a very developed civilization. You know, when when Spaniards arrived, the Mayas already knew the concept of the zero, mm. which not even the the Egyptians or the Greeks knew. So it was a very, very developed civilization, mm-hmm. archaeology and... Very sophisticated. And, yes, um, the sky. Yes, the sky. Uh, the sun. No, yeah, but the, 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 stars. the, stars, the stars and all this and, mm-hmm. and all the agricultural... Astrology. Yeah. All, all the agricultural cycles according to the climate and the... It, it was a very, very developed civilization when they came. But... Uh, they brought their own, and they brought things that today we couldn't think our food without them, you know, mm-hmm. like cattle. They brought cows, p- pork, hen, uh, goat, sheep. Uh, uh, they, they brought uh, so many things, metal, because we, we cooked in clay pots, and they brought metal, metal pots, pans, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and uh, they're, 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 they brought a lot of things, also diseases, and yeah. uh, yes. <laughs> uh, the the things they brought mingled with the ones we had, and so our cuisines uh, got richer, and they had a heritage of a hundred years of domination by the Arabs. Mm. Only 30 years after the Arabs left Spain, they discovered uh, the American continent. So they brought, so obviously they brought a lot of those influences with them as well. Of course, they brought Arab influences. And Mexico had 300 years of commercial trading by sea 
with Asia. 300 years of bringing and taking, bringing and taking through this route that w was called the Nao of China, hmm. La Nao de China. And it was not one boat, it was a route and many boats that were all the way coming and going. So when we reference pre-Columbian art or pre-Columbian um, ingredients, we're really talking oh, yes. a long history oh, of that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, hmm. absolutely. You know, uh, our ancestors dis discovered corn 8,000 years ago, hmm. and they started handling him, handling it. it sorry. That's right. My English. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for many years, because the original corn was a little one with with a few kernels and they started handling it and making it bigger and and more even the the, the rows uh -huh. of kernels and so in order to have now the corn as we have it mm -hmm. and it's the base for our food uh, for our indeed, nourishing indeed um and the nixtamalization nixtamalization yeah. oh it's very important mm -hmm. where they really um get the 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 um the nourishment, the the nourishment yes the corn. because the corn in itself is is a very unbalanced uh, cereal but when you sum submit it to nixtamalization somebody told me that it, in english is called slake slake yes yes mm -hmm. I, I don't know this. basically treating slow uh, soaking it in lime uh lye or lime. hot yes. water boiling uh, it and you know with with lime limestone lime. Mm -hmm. And um, you know the the contain of calcium uh, turns twenty times more, hmm. and it it uh, keeps the niacina, and it turns into a very nourishing cereal. So and calcium and niacin very very important. Yeah. Digestive for human stomach, which without the nixtamalization it's not uh, digestive. So that's why when you eat a lot of corn without, you know, just corn on the cob, you get a little winded right. because, you know, it's not proper. Right. Interesting. And, of course, we, you know, we talk about New World foods all the time that, you know, that that the tra that the explorers, Columbus and, and others, took back to Europe with them. And, of course, those were the basis of of a lot of, of the cuisine, not only corn, but the beans, beans, right? Uh, pumpkin, tomatoes, chi chiles, yeah, chiles, yes. oh, chiles, yes. chiles, vanilla, mm, yeah. cacao, uh, many. Now the, the Mayans, of course, they were they did a lot with cacao. They yes, were, Mayans and Olmecs. And Olmecs, Ol right? The Olmecas were the first, and then from the Olmecas, the others developed. Hmm. And also tomatoes. Yes. What would we What would we do without tomatoes? Right. <laughs> or without chocolate? <laughs> How would the Italian cuisine have no, developed? No, right? no, in, <laughs> impossible. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we you talk we talk we talk about um, Mexicans Mexican cuisine, and of course we, as I said before, tacos, tamales, and and um, and those things, but. Uh, Many of the the recipes don't necessarily involve, you know, the tacos or tamales as eaten as a side dish, you know, to our bread. Um, 
but the but I don't think people realize the layers of flavors. I like to say layers of flavors, and the time involved and in, in the complexity of yes. the cuisine. Right? Yes, Mexican traditional authentic cuisine is very complex. It's nourishing. It's healthy. We don't have the frying technique traditionally that was brought to us by the Spaniards. Oh, no, that's interesting. The frying frying was brought by the Spaniards. Yeah, well, we, didn't the have anything, the- we didn't have anything to fry with. We didn't have lard mm-hmm. or oil of any kind. Mm. And uh, we just had the, the normal, the natural fat of the animals. So we didn't fry anything. The techniques were on the comal, uh, steamed, mm-hmm. boiled, in the pit, on hot stones, you know, like... Right, grilled. Grilled. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but not the frying yeah. that was that. That's exactly what was my next question, was you talk a lot about um, the history of the techniques and the utensils. So frying was... I, and, and that was a new one to me, that that was brought by Yes, the by the Spaniards. Mm-hmm. And they got that technique from the Chinese, mm-hmm. from the Asian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and it became, when they brought lard and oil, it was very expensive for the people to, to buy. So only wealthy people could ha- eat lard or oil. And it became like a status uh-huh. thing, you know. So there is even a saying in Mexico that uh, when the, uh, there's a person you haven't seen in a long time and you say, oh, how is um, Mr. Smith doing? Oh, very well. Now they even cook with lard. Huh. You know. <laughs> They've so, made it. Right? Uh, yes. <laughs> now this... They they have a very good economic situation. Now right. they even cook with lard. <laughs> That's they even eat with lard. So it became like a status mm-hmm. thing. And then fried food keeps longer. And the uh, many Mexicans, many, many in little towns and didn't have electricity. Now many do, but still some don't. But the majority have electricity now, but they didn't have any refrigeration. So in order to keep the food longer, they would fry it. And then it would hold. Right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. But uh, that is why it got very, I don't know, We they, they took it as, you know, we're rich, we, we're going to fry with lard, you know. Mm, indeed. But uh, now we know that it's not healthy, so I'm against frying well, it's funny how yet everything kind of comes full circle, and now you know you frying was see, a new thing, and now you now we've moved away from it. Right? You can see in the book there are very few fried recipes, mm. very few. Mm. But then we wouldn't have churros. <laughs> yes, we wouldn't have churros, or <laughs> and churros are delicious, yeah. or tostadas, or tostadas, right? yes, right. yes. Uh, well, now you come from Mexico City. You live in Mexico City. Now. I live, you, in but Mexico you originally City. from Chihuahua. From Chihuahua. Um, so, uh, in looking at the regionality of the different, food, of course, Mexico City is totally cosmopolitan. I mean, you can find fine French food and Italian food and everything there. Um, Getting to the roots of Mexican cuisine, if you're in Mexico City, it takes 
you know, you got you to dig a little bit, huh? Yes. So yes. you traveled all around the country. All around the country researching. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't do these long trips because I have... Uh, three children to three sons <laughs> and one extra son that God sent me is my my brother's son. So I have four boys, and uh, you know raising a family that's a handful. <laughs> it's believe me, <laughs> especially when they are boys. Yeah. I don't know why, but they they take so much energy from yeah. you. But uh, my husband always backed me up on this. He was always so supportive, and he took care of the boys while I was going back to university to study culinary arts because I have a BA in education. <coughs> and then I went back to, to university. But I couldn't have done all this professional development without my husband's support. Mm-hmm. Impossible. Yeah. Well, and the book certainly um, is a testimony to that, that you really went all around and, and have the representation of all the different <coughs> cuisines. And I have some friends who have shared their recipe with me, their recipes, thank you, and um, some other authors. And, you know, I did a lot of research. And, of course, I it's impossible to go all the way to little places in Mexico without being away for a very long time. But... Um, I tried to cover everything. And, and indeed, it certainly looks like you did. <laughs> um, we talked about a lot of the New World foods that, that, are, that most people are aware of. But what are some of the other important ingredients to the Mexican cuisine that we might not be familiar with? Well, definitely quelites. Quelites, the word quelite comes from the Nahuatl language, the Nahuatl, the language spoken in center Mexico, mm-hmm. Nahuatl. Uh, the word quilitl means leafy, green, edible. Oh. Wild, leafy, green, green edible. edible. And you have lots of quilites, lots. And we eat them a lot. Because we didn't have, before the Spaniards came, all the cattle and these animals. We were mainly vegetarians. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we ate insects, a lot of insects. We still do in season, but they, they've become very expensive. You, you keep them for special occasions. And um, we ate, of course, we hunted and recollected. We ate lots of duck because oh. duck came from, from Canada and North, uh, you know, U.S. Mm-hmm. to the lake where Mexico City was based. And turkeys were always wild in the region, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Turkeys are from Mexico. Right. Yes. Right. And this is a very interesting story uh, that uh, Spaniards took turkeys to Spain, to Europe, and turkey turkeys are very adaptable animals. So they spread all over Europe. And then when the pilgrims came to the U.S. <laughs> to, to settle, they came with their turkey. They brought under, them back yeah, over Yeah, they brought them back. <laughs> yes, and yeah. as everything that was wild and strange in that time came from Turkey, they called these animals turkeys. Hmm, interesting. Yes, okay. so now 
you eat turkey on on Thanksgiving and all all year long. No, no, in in on, on Mexico. Uh, uh, Thanksgiving. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, is uh, this turkey? We we uh, domesticated turkeys, uh, hairless dog, and uh, rabbit to eat. We don't eat dog anymore, of mm-hmm. course, but we didn't have any other things. Right, and yes. just well, deer, venison, and and. Uh, uh, wild boar, and you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of you mentioned insects, and I know that grasshoppers are still oh yes. very much on on a menu. Even, even here in New York City, one can find grasshopper tacos. And, yes, and or dipped in chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mm-hmm. know somebody told me. Yeah, um, and of course, cactus plays a big oh, role yes. in the fruit and Nopalitos. the and the no palitos huh? are delicious you will find lots of recipes in the in the book and those are the big paddle leaves of the of the cactus yes we oh. eat a lot of nopalitos and a lot of the of the quelites and, and the fruit and the fruit of and the, the fruit well. tunas tunas green yellow purple mm-hmm. we eat them they're delicious orange hmm. Interesting. Well, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, I want to talk about Day of the Dead. Yes, Dia de los Muertos. You got it. Okay, (laughs) stay tuned. You are listening to It's Been Great by Alan Wilkes. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast regional forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hello, this is Mark Ladner from Del Posto, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Hi, we're back on A Taste of the Past, and I'm speaking with Margarita Carillo Arronte. Carrillo. Carrillo. I'm sorry, you do that so much better than I do. <laughs> no, but you okay. do it very well, Carrillo Arronte. Uh, okay. um, yeah, um, we were, during the break, we were talking about the regionality. I touched on that a little bit, but we didn't really describe it. And, of course, anyone who has um, an adventurous palate and eaten food from Veracruz knows that there will be a lot of fish Obviously, oh, yes. they're on the ocean. What? T- how many regions? I mean, there are a lot of different states. You, we mentioned that, um, but how many regions for regionality we, we, of food? We could divide the country into eight regions, more or less, which is Baja California mm-hmm. and uh, you know all the all the peninsula, and also uh, Sonora and Sinaloa, and then you have 
the center north, center north, with, which are Chihuahua, Durango, Tamaulipas, uh, no, not Tamaulipas, sorry, um, Coahuila, um, center north, Zacatecas, mm. and then you have the east coast, you have Tamaulipas, and then you have the Gulf, Veracruz, Tabasco, mm -hmm. and then you have uh the on the other on the west coast you have uh Nayarit Michoacán uh, you know Oaxaca Oaxaca mm -hmm. and in the center you have El Bajío which you have Querétaro uh, uh, you have Querétaro Estado de México Puebla you know Estado de México is not uh, Bajío Jalisco uh, you know the center states mm -hmm. And then you have Mexico City, you know, the El Valle that we call El Valle, this Mexico City that is huge. huge and then you right. have the central states like uh, Tlaxcala, Puebla, and and you go to the southeast. And then you have this beautiful uh, Carib Caribbean states like uh, Yucatán, Quintana Roo, and... Chiapas. Right, right. I think Oaxaca has probably done um, more than many of the other regions in promoting its food. Um, it's, their food is fantastic. I know. I was totally intimidated. We were talking about Turkey, too. And, and one year I was totally intimidated. I thought, well, I'll make a um, – uh, my son wanted to experiment. We'll do a, a turkey mole. And uh, and when I read that it took two days to make the mole, I thought, oh, <laughs> It's too late. I can't do that. <laughs> oh. It's an adventure. Yeah. But if you organize yourself well, you can make a very good mole. Just organize and start by by parts and mm -hmm. don't Well, and they're stress. back to the utensils again. Um, so much grinding takes yes, place. Yes, but you're, I don't expect you to, to use a metate. But then you have a food processor. Right. So yeah. it's, you know, when my aunt, my, my father's sister, uh, she was 97, so she decided she would stop cooking <laughs> at 97 because she was still cooking for her sister who had uh, Alzheimer's and, and uh, she was 95, but <laughs> the other one was better. And one day she sent the chauffeur with all her kitchen appliances and I, I called her, Tia, what happened? Why did you send me all this? And she said, I'm not going to cook anymore, and you are the only one who will appreciate. So uh -huh. everything is for you. And and one day when she came back, she told me, well, the only – she came to teach me how to cook when I was newly married and uh, with all her things there. And she said, the only thing we won't be able to do is the peanut cajeta because we don't have the woman to grind on the metate. Mm. And I told her, oh, yes, but I have an electric metate. <laughs> you do? She told she, you know, her little eyes opened <laughs> like that. You have an electric metate? Yes, it's called food processor. <laughs> so food processor is a fantastic uh, yeah, great invention. Time yes. saver. Indeed. Yes. Right. Uh, brings us to Dia de los Muertos. Oh, that's fantastic. 
Tell me a little bit about that, the celebration. Día de los Muertos is a very important celebration. And I want people to understand that it's not a fiesta. You, we don't dance, get drunk, or no. It's, a, it's an intimate celebration with the family. It's an honor. You're honoring people. Yes. Yeah. It's the day in which you prepare everything for your dead ones to come and enjoy. It's one day in the year that they come back and enjoy the food and the things they liked. You know, for in my house, even though I won't be there this year because I will be traveling, right. uh, I will be in New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in my house, there is the altar because, you know, my sons are there and it's important to to have the altar with the photographs of your dead ones uh, the the food they liked the the glass of water for for their thirst and flowers important flowers uh, bright yellow orange flowers sempasuchil is called the flower and dark purple flowers. Hmm. So orange and dark purple. Yes. Hmm. Those are the colors for the Day of the Dead. Mm -hmm. And uh, white flowers and candles. You must have candles and you must have tamales. Tamales are very traditional in Dia de los Muertos. Hmm. You know, this tradition started before the Spaniards came. And when they came, they, they were very clever. When they came, they saw an already developed civilization. So they adapted their festivities to the already established established yeah. festivities, which were normally, according to the, uh, um, the, the planting, the agricultural yeah. cycles, mm -hmm. Uh, so people could celebrate. So they put together this. And yesterday, uh, this lady who interviewed me was telling me that in China, they have a very similar festivity. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. It's this very old uh, cultures. Well, now you mentioned that there must be tamales, and this yes. is in all the regions. Tamales yes, are, are in something. all the regions. You're, you wrote um, another book a while back called, not that long ago, called, it was all about tamales. Tamales y atoles. And you researched some of the um, the lost and forgotten recipes of tamales. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What would have been a, um, a lost recipe that you rediscovered or reintroduced to to the culture? Uh, well, there are several, but uh, one very important that uh, not only me, but also Diana Kennedy had uh, mm -hmm. uh, recovered is a tamal de espiga. And, you know, corn grows and at the top once a year, it grows like a three or four um Espigas. I don't know how to say this in English. Uh, Sprouts, um, stalks, something. It, yeah, like long with little seed like, seed stems. Like like seed stems, yes. But inside these little husks, they are they are not seeds, but uh, stems, stem, um, pollen. 
Mm-hmm. Pods, so they would be like a pod. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you take that from the corn, and uh, it, it's a long process, but you, you, you take out the, the pollen inside, toast it very quickly, grind it, and add it to the, to the, to the tamales, to the masa. And these tamales are made with wheat flour. Oh. Very, very strangely. And instead of caldo, instead of broth, you add pulque. You know, pulque, mm-hmm. the, the fermented juice of mm-hmm. the agave. And the sugar is piloncillo, rock and sugar. And they are very, very special tamales. Interesting. Unique. It sounds very unique. Yes, yes. And there are many, some tamales that you cook with the raw meat inside. And they cook inside the tamal. So when you open them, all the juice of the meat is there. It's delicious. Mm. They're really special. There are many. And atoles too. Atole is... And tamales are the marriage, you know, the pairing, the the very traditional pairing. What are some of the other traditional dishes of Dia de, Dia de los Muertos? Muertos? Chocolate, hot chocolate. Tam, uh, atole, atole is a corn-based hot drink. Mm-hmm. Can be sweet or savory. Chile atole and uh, moles. According to the region, mm-hmm. bread. Bread. Let's talk about bread. I've seen so many different pictures of bread, and you have a beautiful um, example of, of it in the book, Mexico, the cookbook. Um, what? Tell me about the, the bread, the pan del muerto. What makes it different than, de, than a regular uh, The dough food? is a little bit different, mm-hmm. and it always has to have orange blossom water. Ah. If it doesn't have orange blossom water, it's lacking flavor. Hmm. You expect that this day, this bread has. Although they make it in different shapes according to the region, mm-hmm. uh, like in central Mexico, they make it round with the bones. With the bones. The bone, I've seen the picture looking like bones. Right? Yes, the yeah. bones outside. Uh, there are some parts, like in Oaxaca, they make them in the shape, in a human shape, you know, like a doll. They they make it different in different regions, but the doll must have uh, orange blossom water. Interesting, but it doesn't have a. It's not sweet. It's a. It's it a, is sweet. And if it does, you do add it sugar, is, so it yes. is a sweeter bread. It's a sweet bread. Mm-hmm. Yes, so delicious. Like a, like a and when spine. in in central Mexico, when you when you take it out of, of the oven, when it's still hot, you have to brush it very quickly with butter, uh, a generous amount of butter, and then sugar, and sprinkle it with sugar. Right? Yes, so yeah, it's yeah. frosted. It's I could delicious. see that from the picture. Yes, it was, it was gorgeous, <laughs> um, and of course, sugar skulls. I mean, we see we see the the pictures of sugar skulls everywhere. Right? Yes, yes, <laughs> and the the molds are molds. made with clay, mm-hmm. and you. It's a custom since I was little to on this day give my friends a little skull with their name. Oh. On the forehead. Oh, how nice! And yeah. and on the altar, I have the skulls of everybody in my house. You know, my my sons, uh, the girls that help me, and my secretary, and you know, like for example, in the restaurant, I had the altar with the skulls of the whole 
were staff. Staff. <laughs> and then some of the customers who were very... Regular. Regular, yes. And I had the 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 skulls with their name and give them the the little sugar skulls. Gift, yeah. Yes. Oh, delightful. Well, speaking of restaurants, you have had several different restaurants, worked at many different restaurants, and um, a new project in the works, huh? Yes, it's coming. It's coming, a new project. In Mexico City? In Mexico City, yes. Well, we look forward to hearing all about I'll it. T- I'll let you know. And there a- is so much more to explore and talk about, but... Guess you just have to get the book, right? <laughs> Mexico, well, the cookbook, <laughs> and and I hope uh, Fidon gives me the opportunity of making volume two. I'm Great. already planning on it. It's terrific. I look forward to it. It'll yes, be, it'll, because it'll be uh, Mexico has so much. You know, it was the first cuisine uh, on on two o ten to be included in the list of cultural heritage of the world by UNESCO, and you were the ambassador that led that <laughs> that led that brigade. I read too, right? Well, I was a part of the brigade. We yes. were we went to Nairobi, but uh, no the 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 person who pushed and pushed and pushed and worked so hard is uh, Dr. Gloria Lopez Morales. She's the president of the Conservatory of the Gastronomic Culture, Mexican Gastronomic Culture. And this is a non-profit association. Mm-hmm. We are small, um, a small group of chefs, historians, entomologists, anthropologists, you know, people working at UNAM, the university, mm-hmm. the National University of Mexico. Mexico. And many people working very hard. Well, not many people. We are a small group but working very hard uh, on keeping this because this recognition that UNESCO gave Mexican cuisine is not an award. It's is an honor. a recognition. A recognition and an honor. That right? A great honor, but you have to keep on working. So you could be taken off the oh, list. Oh, yes. You okay. can. All right. Well, I think everyone should go and learn more about Mexican cuisine then. Please and appreciate do. Traditional, it and authentic. Keep them, keep them on the list of UNESCO's. Um, heritage yes. cuisines. Well, I thank you so much for joining thank me you. today on a taste thank of the you. Best. Margarita Carrillo Arrombe. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for listening. This has been A Taste of the Past, and I'm your host, Linda Palaccio.